But just like last time, uh, the outline is like the uh, answers in the back of the math book. They're only helpful if you listen to the lesson first and then like check your work. You know what I mean? Uh, so uh, there's, and also there's nothing on the outline that's, uh, you won't find in scripture or any other good biblical resource. So uh, it's not a, no secret answers, just the, you know, plain old biblical answers that we've had for thousands of years now. Um, I am going to keep this while we do some introduction. So um, I think this outline will be most helpful at the end of the lesson, and then maybe if you're reviewing, reviewing on your own or sharing, sharing this with, uh, you know, someone who couldn't join you uh, here today. So, but first I'd like to start with any prayer requests. does seem simple, but not simplistic. And uh, God even cares about the simple things. When we were driving here, there was an ambulance at the lady's house, and they were bringing in a stretcher, so Ambulance. Did you have something as well, Ron? Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, Rick's procedure tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. Yeah, but God cares about the little things. Uh, <clears throat> I think something to be thankful for is uh, we had a really fun event yesterday with the uh, Reformation Day celebration here at the church. So uh, I think a lot of uh, children and adults were really joyous about that event and uh, we had some solid fellowship. Uh, my prayer would be that our uh, church continues to find ways to connect and maintain fellowship with one another And also that, uh, you know, sometimes church events seem like, sometimes we call it a men's event or a women's event or a kid's event. But really, we're trying to minister to the whole church. Uh, and my hope would be that uh, anybody, anybody who wants to participate would in those um, and that the gospel would always be present, even when we're doing something that's supposed to be fun. Um, you know, the gospel's a lot of fun, too, if you really understand it. Um, 
So that's, that's my hope, that uh, we'll continue to send out the gospel in any way we can. Um, well, let's, let's pray about these things, and then uh, we will uh, start the lesson. Hey, good morning. Good morning. Well, we were just about to pray, so uh, we'll pray and then start talking about uh, chapter 7. Heavenly Father, we come to you humbly. Uh, we know that you have heard our request. You tell us in Scripture that you are the God who hears and that you are different from all the other so-called gods because you can hear and you can act. Uh, unlike false gods who cannot hear. Uh, we thank you that you take care of your people even when we don't know what we need. Uh, you always know what we need. We ask that you would help us to listen to you and heed your word and your wisdom and help us to accept the things you give us uh, when you look after us and even when we feel like our needs are not being met, we ask that you would help us to understand that uh, you're always there. Uh, just like the shepherd takes care of the flock, you are always looking out for your people. We are so grateful for this. Um, we ask that you would continue to instruct us through your word, uh, even correct us. We know that correction is not always comfortable in the moment, but that you correct us because you love us. We ask that you would help us to see you as a God who loves us. We thank you for all that you're doing. We trust you that the gospel will continue to go forth and that you will continue to use our church as a way of sending out the gospel just like you used Machen and other men and other ministries uh, to maintain your truth. Be with us now as we study this lesson and uh, open our hearts and minds to be receptive to Scripture and uh, continue to teach us when we go into the morning worship service. Uh, we we ask that you would help us to be known the same way you called us in Scripture, to be known by our love for one another, and that that love would be evident uh, when we talk about you, and when we sing, and when we pray, and when we listen to the sermon, and when we are received at your table. We ask that our love for one another would be evident because of the love that you have shown us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Well, um, this lesson is called Doctrine, and it's about doctrine, so easy guess, right? Um, in reviewing the notes for this lesson, I, I find this to be uh, quite relevant uh, to where the church is at today, 
how many of us, if you feel like, you know, outing yourself, how many of us have uh, gone to a non-reformed Presbyterian church in our walk as believers? I know I'm one of them. Any others? Only reformed Presbyterians in here? Oh. I was a little confused by the wording of your question. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought you were saying a Presbyterian church that was non-reformed. Yeah, so... I was like, that's not a thing. I'm thinking of, <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking of, like, something outside of the PCA. Oh, okay, yes. Um, yeah. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. Thank you for clarifying. Non-denominational <laughs> churches and Baptist churches. Right. So, um... Yeah, so the question I'm asking is, have you gone to Christian churches that are not Reformed and Presbyterian? So a Baptist church would be an example sure, of that. Yeah. Um, Most of my life. Yeah. <laughs> we got one in the back there, too. All right. I see that hand. Um, <laughs> yeah, your, your track record of going to a Reformed Presbyterian church is getting longer and longer. Right. And the percentage of your Christian walk that was at not one of those is getting right. smaller and smaller. And we pray that you live so long that that's a distant memory. <laughs> Um, so the reason I ask that is because uh, for a long time I went to a variety of non-reformed and non-Presbyterian churches and uh, this chapter makes me think of my time there um, I remember struggling as a young Christian about when sharing the faith with others and trying to get other you know, friends, schoolmates to be Christians I remember uh, sometimes forgetting to include the cross because it was it was about like behavior modification. It was about uh, moral living, you know, no drinking, no smoking, no dancing, stuff like that. Yeah, um, and maybe I was misunderstanding. Um, maybe maybe the maybe the cross and the gospel were there, and they just weren't being highlighted, or they weren't being discussed in a way that I understood it. Um, in my view, the emphasis of many of these churches go, as, a, as a child, as a teenager, was either moral living or spirit-filled living. Uh, we would sometimes talk about someone's walk with the Lord. How's your walk? How you, is your walk good? You been having your quiet times? <clears throat> and in these, uh, in, in one of the churches uh, that I went to uh, around the time I started college where I met Eleanor, they, were a they placed more emphasis on doctrine, but still not enough. This was a Calvary Chapel in uh, Southern California. And they did this cool thing where they went verse by verse through books of the Bible, which was new to me at the time. Uh, I'd been a Christian my whole life, but I'd never, you know, I'd never uh, had a pastor preach deliberately through one specific book, uh, finding the main topics and relating it to the other books. And, um, so this was, this was new to me. It felt really academic and scholarly. Um, but even at that church, if you tried to... I don't want to be overly critical of them. Um, many people were hearing some or most of the gospel. Um, not quite as we would articulate it, but I think there was still... God was blessing that work, and there was still good work happening there. Um, but when you tried to like pin them down on, what do you believe about baptism, or what do you believe about communion? Or what do you believe about, you know, Calvinism? You would kind of get this like, uh, we just we just teach the Bible. 
and sort of throw their hands up. I'm exaggerating a little bit, but you know, we just teach the Bible here. Which seemed like, oh yeah, that's a good, yeah, I'm glad you do that. Like, I didn't really know what to say back to that, but digging into that a little bit more, it's hard to find a church that says they don't teach the Bible, right? They probably wouldn't call themselves a church. Even, even a church, uh, you'd mentioned PCUSA earlier, even, even a PCUSA church that is vastly different uh, than even the Baptist and non-denominational churches you brought up, they would probably say, we just teach the Bible here. And they probably could explain a lot of Presbyterian polity and thought uh, very well. Um, back to the Calvary Chapel, they would, it would often come down to, um, like, if you were struggling with a question, that doctrine can help you answer a question like, well, how do I know that I'm saved? Doctrine helps us answer questions like that. So the answer I would get was, well, have you been, have you been reading? Have you been praying? Have you been having your quiet times? Have you been worshiping and fellowshipping with other believers? And so at first, that's like assuring. Oh, yeah, yeah I have been. I'm very assured by this. So this doctrine of assurance. But then what if, well, I, I've been doing most of those. I haven't been praying. But I have been reading. And I have been fellowshipping. And I have been having quiet times. Um, oh, yeah, three out of four, you're still good. But what if I'm like two out of four? Or what if I'm one or zero out of four? What if I'm like uh, Peter during the weaker times in his life? Um, so one thing I really like about this section that we're going to study together is it shows us the importance of doctrine. Simple questions that have complicated answers like how do I know that I'm saved? You can't answer questions like that if you don't have doctrine. Um, and the, these are the questions that uh, if we're really preaching the gospel and people are coming to the faith and, and coming into the church, whether that's through you know, transfer or children, um, relatives that visit, if they're hearing the gospel, questions like, how do I know that I'm saved? Or how can I be saved? Those questions are going to come up. So it is interesting to me that I, I can really connect with this time in Machen's life and ministry, because I feel like I went through the same thing, going to churches that didn't put an adequate emphasis on doctrine. Not to say doctrine is everything. Um, what's, what's kind of the classic accusation in a church like ours where we put a lot of emphasis on doctrine? Frozen chosen. Frozen chosen. Yeah, hold up, hold up the mirror a little bit. Um, sometimes all head and no heart. A lot of good teaching, but no zeal or something like that. Um, I don't think that's actually true. Uh, if you look at the many works that Reformed pastors write, I don't think you could publish that much without zeal. Um, but I think the zeal is, it's there, but I think it's reoriented in the right direction of a zeal for the truth, not just, not just general excitement about... Um, our walk with Jesus, or uh, living living out our faith is a phrase you sometimes hear. So, anyway, um, I, this this chapter is important to me for those reasons, and I think you will see some of the same for yourself. Um, a couple of opening ideas before we play the video. Um, as a Christian, 
Are we concerned with doctrine? Or do we just live our Christian lives? You don't have to answer that question. That's kind of what I've been discussing already. But those are sort of the two, the two camps that Machen found. There was the doctrine camp and the people should just, the, the more, the, li the liberal churches and preaching that he was attempting to counter were saying that people should just live out their life. Um, they don't necessarily need doctrine. Uh, they denied the fundamental doctrinal content of the Christian faith and denied the need for doctrine. Uh, so this lesson will have, you'll see in it a call to recognize the weight that the Bible places on correct doctrine. So some learning goals um, for this lesson. Be able to appreciate doctrine uh, and what the church is going through today. Uh, be able to summarize the position of the other side, who is kind of anti-doctrine. It's if you're going to argue with someone's position, you need to be able to articulate their position in their own words, right? Uh, in a way that satisfies them. You can't make it a straw man or a you know kind of a, a tin soldier type of argument. Um, so we really have to understand what the other, what the opposition is saying in order to effectively, effectively uh, teach and preach against that. And then we should be able to trace Machen's argument for Christianity being a doctrinal faith and not just like a spiritual movement or something. So, uh, some key ideas. When you hear, think, think about, I think we should uh, compare what Machen was considering with the churches at his time, the liberal theologians at his time, to what we hear today. Um, and I'm thinking of somebody like a, like a Joel Osteen or someone that has a very positive message but falls short of actually teaching us what we have to believe uh, as Christians. Also, um, another big idea. Listen formations appeal to Paul's emphasis on doctrine and connecting that to Christ's emphasis on doctrine. And there are three texts of scripture from Paul's letters and the gospels that uh, will come up in the lesson. So pay attention to those three texts of scripture from Paul and from the Gospels. Um, and then finally, uh, the Gospel is objectively true. Uh, it's, not just, it's not just personally true or true within the context of one culture. It is objectively true. And then there's a, then there's a quiz eventually, so I hope you're ready for the quiz when that time comes. Um, Think about uh, the example I used earlier about how, as a young believer, I was zealous for the faith, but I didn't, I didn't understand the fundamentals of like, of why Jesus have to die on the cross. How can I know that I'm saved? Think about how doctrine can answer those questions. And then uh, think about our lives as our lives as believers. How how can or can't we live faithfully without? understanding certain important doctrines. So back to the sort of forefinger, you know, have you been reading, have you been praying? I think without key doctrines, it's so easy for us to drift back to um, something that's not actually the gospel. Uh, and that happens in a lot of churches. Uh, whether the church is actually preaching that or it's just happening in the pews, this is why doctrine is so important. So um, 
There's a uh, scripture passage I'd like to read before we watch the video, and then we'll be off to the races. So if you have your Bibles, would you please open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 15. So it's 1 Corinthians chapter 15, starting at verse 1, and we'll go through verse 4. All right, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1. Now I would remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received, in which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. In that passage alone, look at all the doctrine that Paul is referring to and defending, reaffirming. Thanks, Joseph. Well, um, outline. So the things written in blue are things that you're supposed to be thinking about during the video. Um, I'd like to uh, talk about some of the Concepts in the video, I realize that we may not have time to go through every single question uh, in the question-answer guide that I gave you, so maybe we can hit some highlights, and if you want to review those later on, you can. Um, any initial thoughts about this, this lesson we just viewed together? not in our church or anything, but in other churches. Mm -hmm. um, uh, Christian, I mean, worship experience. Right. And I, I really don't like that term because I think that takes the focus off of God and puts it on ourselves. Yeah. I just wonder about the Christian experience because to me that doesn't feel right. Yeah, uh, I, I think there could be if we're talking about, um, you know, the end of time when all is fulfilled, certainly it will be a, a wonderful experience. Right, right. Um, the prophets who had visions of heaven and scripture, they would describe everything. Uh, they would describe their experience. Mm -hmm. um, so I think there is a way that uh, the experience is certainly part of it. Um, but it, it does sometimes become the main focus. Right. Um, and so then you're kind of left with, you're left with the take the takeaway from a worship service would be, you know, the quality of the music or, um, you know, if there was, uh, if there was some kind of uh, sensational experience, um, 
that appealed to you, a funny joke, or, I mean, certainly we, it's nice when sermons have humor or other, other uh, ways that we can interact with that kind of grab our attention, but uh, it's so easy to make it about just that. Um, and it's nice, you know, back to the uh, non-denominational experience I was describing earlier, you know, they would, they would often get on a song, like the latest Chris Tomlin or something, and he's a great songwriter, but they would, it would become like the new anthem of the church for, you know, eight or ten weeks until something better came out. Um, and there were times where I would think, man, that was a great service. They played my favorite song. Which, yeah, I mean, God uses music to, to appeal to our senses and to help us understand. But I know, that, I know that there was a time when I was making that. The quality of the worship service was related to my feelings not to the truth, the doctrine that was preached, how well, how, not how well it was preached, but how well it was articulated, uh, how clear it was. Um, I, I modified this question from the outline. I added the word merely a lifestyle because I do think Christianity is a lifestyle. We will all be living a very determined and, and specific lifestyle um, when we are in glory with our Father. Uh, it will be a lifestyle. We will be living out our faith. Um, but we won't be living out our faith in the way, in, in like an anti-doctrine kind of way. Um, so yeah, I think, I think you're, it's good that you're keying in on that phrase. There's probably a positive side of it and then a negative side of it. And I think from this lesson, the negative side of it would be the one that um, values that Christian experience over Christian understanding. Why isn't understanding part of our experience? I, I think it is. When I think of like who I am as a person, a lot of it is mental. A lot of it is who I, what I think about. That's kind of, that's a lot, a big piece of my identity isn't what movie I went to see last night or, um, you know, who my favorite football team is or something. Most of it is what my understanding of myself. And I think Christianity is the same way. Um, so yeah, yeah, liberalism, I actually had thrown in the word merely as well. Oh, ah, no way. Was talking. Did so, you go to my notes? I did not. Two minds think alike, either well or poorly, in this case. But uh, I was, I was like, um, <coughs> liberalism's focus is on man's goodwill toward man, rather than Christianity's focus, which is God's goodwill toward man. Right. So they think there's like this dichotomy that needs to be made. No. They emphasize one to the disservice of the other. Yeah. It is both and. I mean, yeah. There is a new lifestyle for the Christian. Yeah. yeah. You don't walk in the ways of the world anymore. But it, st it stems from... But it comes from that message which Dr. Nichols was talking about. Yes. Yeah. The imperatives, the, how we ought to be, uh, are based firmly on the indicatives of what God has done for us. Yes. So that, the, dual, the dichotomy you described, I've also heard called dualism and... Uh, Critics of right theology and proponents of uh, maybe liberal theology or other types of wrong theology often do try to create a dualism, which is really unbiblical, um, to try to define God in our own terms. Um, sounds like a mistake that's been made many times and continues on. But uh, God's one example would be God's love and justice. He's either loving or he's just. He can't be both. He's, you know... And they'll pit his, they'll make his love and his justice like counteracting traits that are at war with one another. 
as though God is somehow double-minded. Um, but that is, uh, I think, the, the biblical answer is, no, he's, he has many attributes. His love and his justice are two of his attributes, and none of them, none of them are like canceling out the other. Um, and there is a, I'd say, I don't want to simply chalk it up to a mystery, but this is why we say that God is mysterious, because he, he can't be well-defined by his creatures. Um, only He has to be defined in his own terms that he's revealed to us. Uh, thank you for that comment. So a couple of uh, pieces I wanted to uh, bring up that relate to our church. We heard Dr. Nichols talking about how Paul was called to faithfully deliver what he'd been received. We read that in 1 Corinthians together. How does that, what does that mean for us? How must we also be faithful to learn and share sound doctrine? Or should we? I mean, maybe, maybe after watching the video, you disagree with Dr. Nichols, and you can if you want to. You might be the only one if you disagree, but that's okay. Hey, Ron. The, uh, I think, you know, he said it right up front, the bottom line up front. You know, our doctrine tells us who Christ is, and it tells us who man is. And our those two relationships um, determine everything else, how we are to respond to God. That's why we come to church to worship and not to have the experience that, you know, we kind of talked about that. Mm -hmm. It's not an experience. We're coming here to worship God as a corporate group of people that believe the same things. So it's about God. It's not about us. It's not about what we get out of the sermon. We could do something out of it. Those are all tertiary. But, you know, what we're really doing is we're worshiping a holy God because we're sinful people and we, we need to do that. And so that's what we come to church for. So our doctrine, those two things, I mean, that Nichols brings out, you know, it helps us to understand who God is and who we are and then the relationships between the two. And yeah. just um, everything else flows from that. And, and if we don't know what that is, yeah, that's a good that's a good summary. Um, it, I think too, uh, you know, if we have more time, I, I might I had hoped that we would uh, look into one way we apply doctrine to the worship service um, is through the regulative principle of worship um, through the liturgy. Um, and, you know, maybe that could be uh, tapped into in another, another lesson. Um, indeed, we don't have places in Scripture that tell us to sing three hymns from the Trinity Hymnal. These are decisions that, you know, church leaders have made across time. Uh, they're held accountable to Scripture. Even, even our own BCO, it, it didn't come from the Bible. Uh, I mean, it, it, it didn't, it's not lifted word for word from the Bible. It's, it's uh, biblically sound and biblically informed. Um, so there is a lot of nuance here that, um, you know, not, not every, it, it has taken the church painstaking centuries and a lot of mistakes to get to where we're at with doctrine. And it's usually because there's been an error and we're reacting to the error. And uh, by my estimation, that process will continue. Um, I think that's, I think, that, I think in, uh, you know, early, earlier church times, it was the Trinity, um, you know, all the things that are mentioned in the creeds. Uh, that's where those creeds came from, and that's why they're built the way they are. Uh, maybe, maybe something that's going on in our own time is eschatology, is, is being uh, questioned and uh, defined. Um, you know, questions, I'd say starting with the uh, dispensational movement, and my belief is the error of dis dispensationalism 
and uh, the whole kind of left behind, you guys remember those books? Uh, the error of that has caused churches like ours and seminaries that produce our pastors to go back and, and find out where, where did the error begin and how can we accurately express the doctrine that was there the whole time. Uh, so I don't want to make doctrine sound like it's this new thing that's happening. It's simply finding what was there the whole time and articulating it in a way, reacting to errors that came up. Before we pray, I wanted to ask, is anyone reading the book? And if you are, how is it? I'm, I've listened to the first chapter on uh, Audible, and it's weighty. You know, he's an intellectual. Sometimes I have to re-listen to stuff. I can't listen to it on like, sometimes I do 1.5 speed. I can't do that. It's definitely a 1.0 or like a, like a less than 1.0. Yes. <laughs> And then, yeah, and then I wanted a, a follow-up comment. Joseph and I were discussing something I put on the board a couple weeks ago about faith and progress, that modern philosophy has faith, they would call faith in the progress of humanity and humanism. Really, that's a stolen idea from our belief that God is redeeming his creation and he's always making progress on that. So uh, once again, modern philosophy, we, we talked about this a couple weeks ago, it takes, it, takes some of, it takes just enough from the truth to be dangerous, but it doesn't give you the whole truth, and for that reason, there's no hope in it. But um, I appreciate everyone's attentiveness and involvement today. Uh, if you want to keep discussing this you know, after church, um, find me and we can talk about it more. I'm looking forward to next week. Uh, so now we'll pray and be dismissed. Heavenly Father, we thank you for teaching us. Uh, we thank you for using your word to inspire church leaders who have uh, fought and wrestled with these deep questions and then using their work to help us, uh, help us to, to take this to heart and to, to truly understand our doctrine because that is how we understand you and help us to be humble enough to uh, question our doctrine when it seems it might be an error uh, based on scripture and help us to be uh, bold enough to stand firm in the doctrines that have been handed down uh, even as our culture attempts to redefine who you are and what it means to be a Christian. Send us now to worship you uh, with clean hands and pure hearts, not, not because of our own righteousness or our own work, but because of your son, Jesus Christ, who has uh, taken our sin upon himself and given us his righteousness so that we can be in communion with you, our Father. Uh, we thank you for this, and we uh, look forward to worshiping you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen.